0: Hey, thanks for joining the Cosnetic
1: Podcast. Cosmetic means being a person or thing that gets rise to a phenomenon that is dynamic or energizing.
0: Hey, we're tackling topics and telling the truth.
1: I'm Rodney Ross. I'm Keith Benson. So today we are talking about the perfect 10. And who better than to talk about this idea of the perfect 10 than the incomparable Sharon Greenberger, the 10th, president and CEO of the YMCA of greater New York. And that in and of itself is phenomenal because that Y has been in existence for 150 years. And it took all that time to get this amazingness at its helm.
2: Welcome to the Cosmetic Podcast, Sherry Greenberger. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Really appreciate you having me. Thank you, thank you
0: Nothing more. That sounds like some job security right there. 10 people, 150 (laughs) years. Like, okay, I'm good for at least.
2: (laughs) You know, I had to pull out my phone. I said, let me get my my
1: curriculum.
0: I
2: know. That's, you know, my secret to longevity. Yeah. There you go.
1: <laughs> it's good to have a formula. That's so excellent. That's so excellent. So tell us about what, what's making you excited right now. Like most of our conversations here have later really been talking about, people have been talking about what they're kind of lamenting over because this last 18, 24 months has been horrific for everyone.
2: Well, let's shift the narrative. Like, what are you excited about
1: for well, I really Greater appreciate- New
2: York? I really appreciate you asking that question because I think about it a lot, right, because we've Mm -hmm. all been living in this place of recovery and there's a heaviness to the work that we're engaged in. And there was a lot of fear that we were living with for a very long time. You're exactly right. For a long time, for at least six, eight months, I have been thinking about this as an opportunity And I know the word transformation is overused, but this is license for us to think about doing things differently. And as I've said to my team and I've said to my board, you know, we were sort of at this moment of, I think, almost greatness. We had all these things in the works. Then we had to rethink and move into survival mode. But now we're in a place where we have to reinvent ourselves and we have to think like entrepreneurs and we have to think differently. And I think that's a gift, especially when you're working in a legacy institution that has... Honored history, an honored protocol, an honored ritual in a way that is really important, but that given where we are, begs us to think about what needs to change, what what do we have to sort of leave by the wayside, how do we think about our service delivery model, our revenue model, like, you know, the last year has has called those out as being vulnerable. So we have to think through things differently. And I think that's very exciting. It's scary, but I also think that sometimes fear is a good motivator, but it's forcing us to try some new things, to think about how we use our buildings differently, to think about how we could try things that we never, that we were always a little skeptical about doing. So, that makes me excited. Um, so that's a big one. And then the other, of course, is just seeing people return to us and really seeing the, the energy and the wonder that comes from connecting people again. And that is, it's both humbling and totally gratifying.
0: So what are you trying new right
1: now?
2: So I think we're trying a couple of things, right? One is, um, Our virtual platform is different than it was, right? And so we are offering classes, we are offering courses, we are offering activities in ways that we did not do. And we're going to have to figure out how to make sure that that's complementary to what we do going forward. That's one. The other is... We set up um, learning labs, for example, and I know wise throughout the country have engaged with um, their educational partners to provide different learning environments for children. And we've got a couple of those models going on that I think we are going to have to think about how do we replicate and keep going. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a big one. I think really thinking through how we work with different generations and what people need. Um, you know, we I think we all saw that when the pandemic hit and. Things were really closed down there was a um a certain population that couldn't access us because they didn't have the technology to do so and so that then i think puts the responsibility in us to think about well how do we communicate differently and or how do we secure the kind of technology that families need to continue to interact with us and so those are some of the things that we've experimented with that i think will stick around Awesome. Nice. Nice. So, Keith, don't
1: get in your feelings, but this is New Yorker to New Yorker talking for a minute. It has to happen. It's happening. We're doing it early on. So every time I go home and this pandemic has been the longest stretch that I haven't been. Uh, New York. I haven't been home in almost 18 months. But before that, every uh, it's, oh, I'm ter- it's terrible. I'm, I'm about to lose it. But every two months or so, I would go home. And even in that, I would be amazed at the changes that are going on in so many different neighborhoods. I mean, growing up spaces that I thought would never be these spaces are now these these intricate things. As the leader of the YMCA in New York, How are you shepherding your organization through all of this, you know, change and gentrification can be a four letter word to some people like how are you shepherding your organization? through all of these phenomenal
2: shifts? Yeah, so it's a really interesting question. And I think this is where the core of who we are and what we do is important, right? Because it's partly about education and it's partly about engagement. Mm -hmm. And it is making sure that we help our staff, our members, our communities, our boards, understand what's happening in the city, whether it's population changes, whether it's zoning changes, whether it's policy changes and finding their voice to be a part of that. Um, And so that is a huge piece of what we do at all levels. We have a huge election coming up in the city, Mm -hmm. um, in New York city, where there's going to be a shift in leadership at the mayoral level at our public advocate level, our controller level, and the majority of the city council is going to turn over. It's just a wholesale leadership change. Yeah. And to your point, these have significant implications for how New York City grows? What are the policies that will govern how we grow? What are the things we care about? And so we've been out there really making sure people understand where candidates stand, for example, on policy issues around public safety, around education, around health, so that they're informed and can lend their voices to making informed decisions so that they can see the act, the change that they want to see. So that's certainly a piece of it. Um, I also think, and you know this in the work that you do, right? Our branches, our local branches and the partnerships they have at the community level are instrumental to understanding what's happening in our communities? What's the role we can play? Where do we need to intervene to fill service gaps or to make sure people understand what's going on? And that's been true before the pandemic, and it's certainly even more true today to making sure that people understand um, what's changing, what it means for them, and where they need to be involved. Yeah, I love it.
1: I love it.
0: And you guys are embarking on a new uh, strategic plan. What's that? Uh, thriving New Yorkers, stronger communities. Uh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and what's the impact is going to be uh, when this is all said and done, the ultimate goal that you all are trying to meet?
2: Yeah. So we created a plan in 2018. It was going to go from 2018 to 2025. We'll likely have to re- revisit it and think about what needs to change. But it really was, again, focused on making sure that we were improving lives, that we were We're really able to demonstrate the impact that we have and that we were building stronger communities and connections that that people have. Um, We are very focused on increasing access for all New Yorkers to have access to our services and programs. Um, So one of the things that was a big part of the plan was to complete two new branches in the Bronx. Um, they were. Their construction was delayed because of the pandemic, but they will complete construction um, this month, which is. Really exciting because we, for many years, have only had one branch in the Bronx um, in a borough that is in great need of our services. And so increasing access is one way, right? Making sure that we are helping New Yorkers find the opportunities they need to succeed. And we know that those branches, for example, will be a huge piece um, of helping more New Yorkers find success, find community, find connections. So that's going to continue to be a piece of what we do. Um, I think the civic engagement work that I talked about has been a mainstay of that strategic plan that's become much more important. And then certainly thinking about helping New Yorkers improve their health, Um, like all wise do across the country. That's been a very important part of our strategic plan, whether it's through programming, whether it's through partnering with health institutions, making sure that on a community by community basis, we understand what are the specific health needs and how do we help address them? Those are all those are all been very important parts of our strategic plan. I also think that um, one of the main, one of the sort of principles of that plan was really using data differently to drive decisions about um, what are we seeing in terms of change? How do we measure impact and success? How are we helping all of our teams use data to make more informed decisions that is not going away? That will maintain that will remain a really important part of what we do. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you you kind of parachuted into the wire, right? Like we've had the amazing opportunity of talking to CEOs across the country who have been here for a really long time, right? And kind of made their way. He yes. said it, not me. He said the long time, right? But you parachuted in from a very impressive and a very storied career out in the public and private sector. Talk to us about what things are the same, but what things are very different now that you are helping the YMCA in New York?
2: Yeah, well, thank you for asking that. And look, I um, it is true. My career path has not followed a straight line. It's been all over the place. Um, and I... I feel very grateful to be here. And I will say I spent 25 years either in community development or education or health. and one of the things that brought me to the why was that it was this perfect marriage or this perfect union of all of those things together, right? Mm-hmm. Education, mm-hmm. health, community, um, in a way that you can't find anywhere else. And so I think the platform of the why, is its most unique element, which is to say that it does all of these things in a very holistic way. And I love that because it's very hard to find that where you can, where I can sort of exercise all these different muscles and interests that I have in one place has been really important. One of the things that is similar, I spent 10 years in city government um, and when you've worked for city government, one of the things you you really come to appreciate is the reach and scale you can have, right? When you make decisions about policy or program and you implement them on a citywide basis, you're reaching so many people. And I feel the same way about the why, because of its reach and scale, not just in New York City, but across the country. Think about how many lives Mm -hmm. Um, We're involved and engaged in and and the the collective impact that we have. That is really magical. So I love that. The thing that the why does that I don't think one can find in many other places. um, And what I like to say is that people who come to us and come through our doors leave happier than when they came in mm. because they've done something for themselves. They've done something for their families. They've done something that gives them power, energy, and joy. And I honestly have a really hard time thinking about where else can you find that, right? Like I think kids find that in school and that is really important and God willing, everybody has jobs that they love, that they feel energized by it. But for us to be able to see that on a daily tangible basis, is magic. Um, and there are days when I'm sitting in my office and I am stuck with an issue or I just had a cranky meeting It might, whatever it is, all I need to do is go downstairs and see the kids in action, go into, um, the fitness center and see one of our 95 year old members who's been coming here for 60 years. And I am re-energized. And I, I think that that is a very unique element to the work.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I never thought of it as magical, but it, it is pretty magical. It's What's pretty happening? magical. Yeah.
0: YMCA Disneyland. Which which, which,
1: which <laughs> you, you went too magical. You went to the yeah, we we
2: baby magic. That's big. Yeah, magic. but we're still realistic. When you go to Disneyland, everything's hidden underground. You can't really see where the right. where the where the magic really happens. We it's all out in the open with us. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Put it all out there. So um like New Yorkers, I know you guys like think that uh, you got you all that and some like.
1: It's, you have it's all a these... point of fact. We don't think that. It's the truth, Keith. You know what? I'm
0: sorry. I, sh- I probably should have phrased my words a little you bit. You should different.
1: have. You I should have. From
0: the beginning, I-, I should not put myself in this situation.
1: But
0: <laughs> you know, New Yorkers have this uniqueness to them, right? So, hmm. like, what what are the programming or what is the opportunity that you? have going on that we should be envious about. And we sh- we need to come to New York so that you can show us uh, your great stuff.
2: Oh my goodness, I'm not gonna choose just one. Okay, well take a couple, take, take a,
0: so a couple, two, three, oh. yeah. we got time. <laughs>
2: um, you know, we do so many amazing things. It's very hard to choose. I will say um, a couple of programs where again, when we think about impact and we think about being able to say we did this and it led to this. You know, we we were very proud to help create the New Americans Initiative and the New American Welcome Centers. And it's extremely important in New York City, where 40 percent of of New York City residents are foreign born and 40 percent of the workforce is foreign born. So um, those services, whether it's around ESL or citizenship or acclimation, are so essential to making sure that we have a thriving workforce um, and a thriving population. So that is one that I think um, we've been real leaders in. It's so important to our communities. We're always trying to sort of improve upon this programming. Um, that that's, that's a really, really important one. And like many, we are um, running Y Scholars programs that have been also extremely, extremely impactful. I think for us right now, we're focused on college persistence as a part of that. And we have some really interesting program elements there that I'm sure our team would be happy to talk about, but that has um, helped us improve our, our or impact um, for our teens participating in that program as well, and then we also have a whole slew of programs that many of you that you do and others do um, that I think have been great mainstays for our communities.
0: So it sounds like uh, a road trip that we need to come out and uh, check oh, out. You the absolutely program. do. You <laughs>
1: absolutely do. You know you don't have to twist my arm. I'll be there in a couple of weeks. I can't take it anymore. I'm going home, and it's a matter of fact. A couple of years while I was home visiting, I had the opportunity to go to um the achievers um yes that event energized me in in and i had been doing achievers for years and and you know facilitating instructing the courses and had seen so many different models across the country but that event oh that that was par excellence i wish everyone could see the attention to detail and the level of excellence and the 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 level of which that, it it, it was so, I yeah. forgot that I was there. I thought I was just a regular guest.
2: One of the kids, I had the greatest time ever. Oh, yeah, the Harlem White Harlem does an amazing job yeah. with it. Fortunately, we had a big anniversary last year that we couldn't participate in because that's when the pandemic started, but we will come back to it um, yeah. and, and create a proper celebration. And you're right, it's, it is one that we are extremely proud of. It has been very successful. It's a way to engage our corporate partners um, with our up-and-coming uh, great stars. So it's, it's, it's been great. I'm glad you got to experience it. And uh, yes, it always, it's always a really inspiring event, right? Oh, because you're it was. The impact of what we do, you're seeing um, just great talent um, succeeding. Yeah. I mean, in the way it just centered the
1: young people, like it was not because many times when you get into events like that, you're really kind of placating the donors and the big organizations. And they did a phenomenal job at that. But it never lost sight of this is the reason why we are. Why are we doing this? That's right. And you're seeing those people.
2: And you're seeing our young people who are being invested in year over Man. year, right? Yes. And so there's someone who's saying, you, you got this. We believe in you yes. um, and we're going to support you. And that's that's an amazing feeling.
1: It was excellent. It was so excellent.
2: Well, you are welcome anytime. Todd willing, or we're getting gonna- an outfit. I got to get another outfit. It's formal. <laughs> what?
1: What? I had on a tuxedo that, the last oh, time. It I'm was
0: not so cute. Sure if we have a show that is shoes and not mentioning outfits. Okay, I'm not sure how to get away from that, but we're gonna try to transition. Just, just. I don't before. see the
1: problem. I don't understand what the problem. With. I don't understand.
0: So, Sherry, uh, we're coming out of the, well, we're getting closer to hopefully ending this pandemic. What are the highlights that are going on right now that you guys are maybe drawing a little bit closer to and doing things different because, you know, we couldn't do things like we used to?
2: Yeah. So, I think a big one is opening up the Bronx, like I said. Um, that is going to be huge for us. Um, two new branches, state not just state-of-the-art facilities, but, Interesting design elements that we've never tried. One is um, designed like a camp in a campus setting. And so that's going to get with a teaching kitchen. So that's going to be something new and different for us. So that's certainly um, a big one. I think we're also looking at um, what our strategy for older active adults is right now in New York City, the fastest growing population segment is those over 65. And that has real significant implications for us in terms of Programming in terms of access, in terms of um, how we create real intergenerational programming. Yeah. And so that's going to be a focus for us. Um, and then I think we're really focused, especially coming out of the pandemic, and realizing recognizing that we cannot do this work. We've never, we've always been focused on partnerships and recognizing that we need the partners of uh, the city and our elected partners, but our corporate partners, our foundation partners. But I think there's a real opportunity to rethink partners. Partnerships. And so whether it is around some of our, again, our healthcare system partners, our insurers, our technology partners who can help us think through different technology solutions, our real estate partners to help us think about how we use our physical assets differently, um, that is going to be an area that we continue to pursue and look at because, again, I think There are what what the pandemic has showed us is that we have to be scrappy and we have to try some new things and um, and that we we have to try things that may not work out. And that's a hard thing, I think, to think about, but we need to be trying them. And so that's that's one of the areas that we're going to focus on. Oh, yeah. Not failure, but trying new things. I'm trying new things, not the failure part. <laughs> <laughs> so in our
1: conversations with other leaders and other CEOs across the country, you know, we hear time and again that it can be really isolating being the CEO of a large organization and that you have to be intentional about doing things that fortify you, right? Like self-care can't be selfish when you're in a space like this. So you know, we have to hear, we got to get the cheat codes, the low down tea on what are some of the things you do to take care of yourself? We've heard of CEOs dancing, shopping, sock game, fishing, woodwork, cooking. So what do you do that nobody would know to just kind of keep yourself fortified?
2: Well, that, uh, yes, self-care is important and Mm -hmm. leadership is lonely. So those two things have to go together. Um, I would say for me, what fortifies me, first of all, um, is my friends and family. I have two daughters that are keep me very humble and keep me very <laughs> informed and uh, keep me on my toes. So I rely on them and one of the upsides maybe the to the pandemic was that I had them both at home with me um, for eight to nine months and that was hugely important because it also let me, Cook every night, which was a really important mainstay for me, because that's where you can exert control. And I be a little bit of a control freak. And so having that ability was was very important. Um, I'm also a runner, a really slow runner, uh, <laughs> but... But I'm I'm good about getting out there and doing it because I think it does. It clears my head. It's where I do some of my best thinking. It lets me run around the city and see things. Um, so that has been really important as well. And when I can, I like to read. Um, but I find sometimes that I have big plans for reading and 10 minutes later, I'm asleep. So that's. Oh, me too. that happens sometimes. Uh, like what's your what's your
1: recipe? Like what's your go-to when you cook this? You know, oh yeah, I got them.
2: This is oh recipe. well. So um I have a few. One is brisket um what? that has been handed down generation to generation, and so that's a big one. You just um, don't
1: know how many Texas fans you just got when you said the word <laughs> brisket. Or, or hater. So did that
0: brisket come through the Texas lines somewhere? Oh oh.
2: <laughs> well, so it's oh I will say the other thing that keeps me sane is knowing that. So I grew up in Kansas. I grew up in Kansas City. I'm a huge barbecue fan, and I, I do like Texas barbecue. I will say that. But Kansas City barbecue, mm. better. And we often have some contests, and I'm welcome to yeah. engage in some taste-offs. Um, I'm, I'm volunteering a, to be a taster. Yes. If, if that's important. So I lost my train of thought. Brisket. Barbecue. Oh, brisket, brisket is one. Oh, yeah. Taster. Brisket is one. Um, uh, I make this, it sounds so simple, but I make this pasta salad that my kids think is the greatest thing in the world. So that's, that's the other family, um, tradition. And then t- anything sweet because I, uh, I, I tend to like sugar a little more than
1: I should. I feel so seen right now, Sharon, we, <laughs> we're connected on so many levels. Dessert should go first. And then if you have room, eat a little food, so everything
2: in it. moderation, the Y way we all do it in moderation.
0: Uh, it
1: is. I love it. <laughs> so, so how old are the girls?
2: Uh, 21 and almost 24.
0: Okay.
1: And you were in the house with them for eight months and there were no casualties.
2: And I'm still saying, and so are they, and I would say we're even closer. So yes, no casualties. And, um... Even deeper bonding, which is oh, it's so wonderful. I have one
1: that's a teenager and I'm shaking my head daily. Like it, it got to get better. It, it just <laughs> got to. It
2: just has well, to. I would tell you, little, I shouldn't admit this but I'll tell you a little secret. Well, a friend of mine who had three girls when my oldest one turned 13 and that was a difficult year. She said to me, well, you'll. Always love them, you'll like them again when they're 18. And I thought that was
1: <laughs> it is true, it is absolutely true. That is, yeah, that has been my life experience. That so, some days I was like, If I could, you could have been like sleeping beauty, I could have just let you sleep through those years, and then I would have kissed you at 18. You would have woke up and it would have been a beautiful place.
0: Oh, hey, Rodriguez <laughs> has a problem of being the shortest person in her house, so that is part of her problem is that yeah. she is what are you, 5'10?
1: Five eleven
0: and three quarters. Five eleven. No, you're not five. You, I'm. I'm gonna give you five eleven. You ain't three quarters.
1: I
2: can't have my three quarters. Leslie, <laughs> 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 gotta give it to her now because otherwise so that might actually disappear. Thank you.
0: The sizes of your how tall your kids are.
1: So my daughter is six My oldest son is six six, and my baby boy, who was only fourteen years old, is six six already and hasn't. Oh even my gosh. Before. So I do a lot of grocery shopping. You do a lot of that. You mean to be doing a lot of neck exercises. Yes. <laughs> no, I have a step stool, Sharon. I don't even try it anymore. I just stand on my step stool and fuss with them. I do.
0: <laughs> so, Sharon, tell you—you you guys did a whole lot of bonding together. What's the coolest thing that your daughters have uh, taught you uh, over this time?
2: Oh, all the lingo. I mean, you use the word T and I knew what it meant because six months ago I wouldn't have. Right. So I think just understanding uh, what is important in terms of terminology and all that stuff. And and, uh, technology has been very instrumental. I mean, I'm still a techno klutz, but they've tried to help me and that's been very helpful. Are you
1: doing TikTok videos?
2: No. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not there yet. But a girl can dream. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed.
0: <laughs> wow, this has been amazing. Yes, uh, it's been great to get to know you, hear the great things that's going on in New York. Um, you guys really set the tone for a lot of what we do in America, and uh, so it's so appreciative to be able to talk to you. And, and as the other New Yorker in here. Uh, you know, I, I thank you both for making me feel like I'm a part of this right here because she just she is true New Yorker right here. So
2: I welcome. <laughs> you're both welcome. Anytime. Please. Oh.
0: Hey. Yeah. Hey, thank you for listening to Cosmetics.
1: Well, we're tackling topics and telling the truth. Hey, subscribe and listen to us weekly. And don't be shy. Give us a review.
0: And as always,
1: be dynamic.
0: Be phenomenal.
1: Be Cosmetic.